Hi, welcome to The Authentic Existence with Katie and Lori. And we are back for episode 19 on hypervigilance, how it is created and how we can help heal it. Yes, and we want to talk about CPTSD and regular old PTSD because they are the creators. Major contributing (laughs) factors to uh, hypervigilance. So um, just a brief kind of... uh, I guess, explanation on what what this is. So post-traumatic stress disorder, so that would be the PTSD. I think we've heard that like thrown around a lot, especially since we have a lot of uh, military veterans coming home from different situations uh, that our country has asked them to participate in. Mm -hmm. And we find that a lot of times these people who have been put in these situations have a great deal of trauma that comes, comes with them. Now, it doesn't only mean that you have had to go to war or been in some sort of really like scary situation like that uh, to to get PTSD. There's other ways that it can be bestowed upon you. So post-traumatic stress disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder are psychological conditions that can significantly impact a person's well-being after experiencing traumatic events. Understanding the nature of these disorders, their causes and symptoms is crucial for effective healing. What we'll talk about today, we will aim to provide an overview of PTSD and CPTSD, highlighting their distinctions and their prevalence. Additionally, we'll explore the profound effects these disorders have on mental and emotional health, daily functioning, and relationships. Moreover, we will delve into the various healing approaches, including therapy options, self-help options, and empowering individuals to embark on a journey of recovery and regain control over their lives, your lives, if it's you. So um, this also includes building resistance, seeking support. Sorry. <laughs> I was, what are you playing with? I was trying to see who was in the live and it's, it's on my computer, so <laughs> sorry guys. Sorry, everyone. So um, we're going we're gonna to try to walk you down um, and give you some tips on how to get to healing from, from a PTSD place or a CPTSD place and a hypervigilant place because hypervigilance is a symptom of one of those two things. So if you're feeling like you're hypervigilant, it's because you have CPTSD. And you may not even realize that you're hypervigilant because yeah. um, it's such an ingrained part of who you are. Right, if you have it, that you don't, you're like, oh, everyone's like this. Um, remember when we were talking about with our, one of our friends and, oh, I can tell that person over there, they're in a fight. And then this, she's like, I have no, like, what? How do you even, what? Yeah. I didn't realize that that was a thing until I learned about it. And then right. I was like, oh, not everyone has that. No, not that everyone is, is looking for what's, what the problem is. It <laughs> can pop off at any moment. Like, I, like, how can I keep myself the safest? Yes. Yeah, I agree. So we'll talk about that today. Um, and I mean, I could, I could talk about this from a place of, of personal experience. Yeah, same. Um, so I'm pretty sure throughout my life I have had different bouts of PTSD. So did you talk about already, sorry, I was a little preoccupied. Did no. you already talk about what the difference between CPSD and PTSD is? No, I didn't yet. I was just okay. prefacing it with the fact that no one can come for me because this is my diagnosis yeah (laughs) so I live here um so what we can we can talk about what the difference is uh between CPTSD and PTSD so obviously 
post-traumatic stress disorder is one event. Complex post-traumatic stress disorder is when you have experienced multiple events or if, um, like for a, a really long period of time. Let's right. say you grew up in an abusive household. Yeah. You would probably be more on the complex PTSD side than just the PTSD side. Now, if you're... Um, this is so traumatic and so insane to talk about, but I, I've had this happen to somebody in my real life. Their um, father shot their mother and then the police shot him in front of him. Yeah. So that would be post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. That, that Witnessing one... that event will give you PTSD. Um, but if, if you were open to this kind of trauma all of the time, then that would be your complex PTSD. Yeah, so what I have is it's a response to prolonged and repeated trauma, particularly in interpersonal relationships, such as childhood abuse, domestic violence, or prolonged exposure to traumatic events. Um, so knowing that, prolonged exposure to traumatic events, how do you feel like people who work in, like... Yeah, like law enforcement well, yeah. or like um, like funeral directors, yeah. things like that. Yeah, I think they have, um, obviously, they have to build some sort of like protective system to keep the uh, emotional trauma as low as possible. Because, And then I think, too, we, we have a friend who um, works in a, in a law enforcement capacity. And I remember she was working on a case uh, where there was some evidence and there was a, a a baby girl who was put into a trash can wrapped in a blanket. And my friend had to um, protect the evidence because the evidence, and however traumatic it was for her to deal with the evidence because it had some of the little girl's hair in it and it was just very real for her, you know. Um, so she framed it in her mind to think the better job I can do with this evidence, the closer we get to justice for her. Right. So if I do my job and make sure that my job is done to a T where no one can refute this evidence, um, then she'll get justice because I did my job. And that's how I help yeah. heal myself and give this family some sort of closure. But I, I think that's a really healthy way to look at it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. So um, I think that that might be how people in that sort of line of work to do that, make that make sense for themselves. Um, but not everybody has access to that kind yeah, of thought that I mean, self-awareness yeah to be able to say mm, this is not a healthy way that i'm coping with this right. let me shift and figure out a better way yeah yeah for sure so um some common symptoms let's talk about that you got some symptoms over there um let me see what's up mike the diagnostic criteria would that be symptoms yeah yeah um include the following clusters of symptoms re-experiencing the trauma intrusive memories flashbacks nightmares or distressing thoughts related to the traumatic events avoidance and numbing the dissociative mm -hmm. um, efforts to avoid reminders of the trauma feeling detached from others diminished interest in activities and overall sense of emotional numbing negative alterations in mood and belief persistent mm -hmm. negative emotions distorted self-perception feelings of shame or guilt difficulties with trust and intimacy and a sense of diminished future and see we chuckle I'm sorry i'm laughing because we kind of talked about this a little right bit you before. chuckle when you get to the symptoms that you have because yeah. you're like oh yeah i was just talking to her no, about intimacy me. and then i'm like oh difficulties with trust and it mm, yeah interesting 
Um, And then here is the hyperarousal and reactivity, the hypervigilance, exaggerated startle response, difficulties with concentration, irritability, outbursts of anger, disturbances in self-regulation, problems with emotional regulation, impulsivity, self-destructive behaviors, and difficulties with maintaining stable relationships. The shit fucks you up. Yeah. Like, it. this is everything that could be, you know, that just it warps your entire being. Like, everything about yourself is... is so, like, skewed. for me personally, I feel like over the length of life, there were a lot of... Um, CPTSD type things, right? Um, and then I think that in life, you get used to it. Then you get re-triggered mm-hmm. by another situation. Yeah. So let's say a long-term relationship that was really bad for you and not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. And then you you get caught in that, mm-hmm. right? And you don't even realize how bad it is until you get right. out. And then another event happens. So, like, for me personally, there was something that happened that triggered a huge loss of safety mm-hmm. to me. And rereading this, re-experiencing the trauma, um, the intrusive memories, avoidance and numbing, negative alterations in mood, the hyper-arousal and reactivity. I mean, it was bad to where, like, if someone knocked on my door and I wasn't expecting someone, my body literally went into... Fight or flight fight or flight and my heart started racing and I was freaking out and then I go look out the window and it's my my prescription being delivered right. I'm like oh thanks appreciate that yeah I need those pills yeah yeah and I, I think that if you if you've lived in that space you don't realize how how much it can do to your body your mind like the physical parts of your body your health and then once you start, which is what we kind of talked about a little bit, is once you get out of that, if you've been there for a really long time, you know, it's just multiplying, right? How you're, how you're raised, relationships as you get older, and then life. Right. And then as you heal that and you release it, it's it's uncomfortable to be in it peace. Because you're, you're this new self that you haven't been yeah you, you're like I, i'm being hyper vigilant but there's nothing to look for it's like, like kind of like being born again yeah like you have to get born into this new safe self but you have to earn it it's not like you just appear yeah. it's all the work that you've done and to a lot get to of that. people who ha- i feel like who haven't done this kind of work they can't understand mm-hmm. it they're like what do you mean you're resting what <laughs> right i'm like well bro i've had a job since i was 14 years old yeah. i've worked i've literally worked my ass off yeah. my whole life so yes, I mean I, I'm making money. I take care of my my stuff, right. but I'm not like I'm not pressure defined out here. by the hustle nature and the you gotta produce this in order to equal this. Right. I'm like no 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 rest is okay. Yeah, especially when you've been you know, so, uh, someone who's had CPTSD throughout your life, you're always in this uh, like a really heightened state of being. Where everything is like, oh, 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 what is that? Yeah. What is this? What, what is, is that, that noise? What uh, yes. I gotta hurry up and do this so that this doesn't. So and now it's like, if it, if, if you want to rest, man, by all means, rest. I think about this. So let's say the big K word, Katrina, right? That's like a mm-hmm. huge New Orleans thing. That experience was utter devastation for so many people. And then I feel like they had like storm hypervigilance mm-hmm. so after Katrina everybody was like we still do I'm evacuating right some of us do some of us don't some of us like oh, really? ah. some people 
don't I, have we a, had the a body one. reaction. We had the big one. We're not going, right? Yeah. I'm still healing. For, for you, <laughs> for you, it's still there. But for some people, they're like, you know what? Look, I've already lived it. I'm tired of, of having that experience. I'm, I'm ready to back it down. I'll leave if I want to leave. But for some people, they're like, don't, no, that experience changed my life in, yeah. more, in more ways than one. And I never want to have an experience like some people. People move. They just yeah, up and they left. Never came back because they never wanted to have that experience again. Their families, you know, have now had this separation. Like, there's all kind of differences that happen from that. And look, we're gonna have more. There's gonna be more storms. I just hope that we're more prepared in the future for said storms. Uh, but people can get. I think you get a little bit of the the kind of uh, long term CPTSD from having you know events like that especially if you live in an area that's been affected numerous times like the people who live in Araby with the tornadoes yeah like those poor people like within 12 months of each other like everything you just it's shitty yeah and it's so bad but that is like that's what that's what this is that's what this is talking about so um yeah so complex trauma and its role in CPTSD is associated with prolonged trauma so that's what I'm saying about that childhood abuse childhood neglect the people you're raised in a house full of yelling and screaming the people who are in irregularity people who are in ukraine right now whose children are hiding under in tunnels from bombing they're living in a war zone so every day of their life they are in this for a prolonged period of time um so it's not just over here where we have hurricanes it's it's it could be anywhere it could be all those people and then to think about and i think about this a lot too because I, I like to read things like Freakonomics, books like that, where we correlate um, emotions or data with facts and then make an outcome like Brene Brown does, right? So mm-hmm. I like that in all, all aspects. Um, so I think about, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about um, how bad crime is in New Orleans right now and what, what the city is going to do about it or anywhere for that matter. And at some point I like to sit and think that some of the people who are committing these acts of violence, they might have some of these psychological disorders. Oh, yeah, of course. Because they have lived in their own war zone mm-hmm. or been neglected or been abused their entire lives. And so they're not afforded this treatment in a mental health capacity because you're just being out here it's being a criminal. life you live. Right. Or you're just being a criminal. Well, With, but that's part of the sure you live the life you're you're raised modeling in. yeah they're modeling the same behavior they've been seeing and so let's say they have cptsd or just ptsd let's say let's say the gym of them has only seen one thing more than likely it's it's the it's the, it's the other however i think that they behave differently and look up to different people in their circles or what's available to them and then get on these tracks you know or the the your dad's been incarcerated or your mom's incarcerated and you really don't have any role models or you have to grow up with your grandparents and they don't really have the tools to know how to manage their child or their grandchild on social media so you get you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like there's all these kind of things that play into it but i think definitely we gloss over or neglect to turn those stones to say like why are these young people behaving like this and it's because of the environment that they've grown up in it's not like we have a system to to remove them from that or the mental health facilities that we do have are so uh, overwhelmed and underfunded and all these different things so it this isn't it's it's a big 
issue that affects all of us is what yeah. what I really just want to get at. Um, so psychological effects of PTSD and CPTSD um, leads to feelings oh. of shame. Hold on just a second. We need to take a pause. Okay. Do We're back. Lose it. <laughs> so the uh, psychological effects are they lead to feelings of fear, shame, guilt, a distorted sense of self, you can also experience difficulties with concentration, memory, and then facing regular everyday challenges in your life. So you have like an abnormal response to regular everyday challenges in your life. Now, here's a, here's a cool tidbit on that. Some of those same things are symptoms of my ADHD. Yeah. So when you have them all, you know, together, compounded, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit worse. But then also what I've been looking into and I don't have any facts or data Mm -hmm. to back it up is that maybe CPTSD is ADHD. Mm. The the CPST, I know I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, it's fine. It is what causes the malfunction in the brain to do the thing. That's the trigger. Mirror what ADHD Mm. is. I think we should talk to... A psychologist about that or somebody who deals with that in a, in a data standpoint yeah. and look and see because you might find some sort of because they are very there. overlapping right like in those picture things that you see and you're like well which one's which and you're <laughs> yeah. like oh i got all of them what where did they come from right so here's a stat for you it says approximately seven to eight percent of the united states population will experience ptsd at some point in their lives CPTSD, although less widely recognized, affects a significant number of people or individuals who have experienced chronic trauma. They these conditions have a significant impact on your daily life's relationships and well-being. So that's that sounds like a very small percentage. However, you and I are both in this room, mm-hmm. and we both have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so well, what, think about it though. Like, we tend to flock together. Yes. Right? So, so it's because la- there's the some la- people who land do not understand toys. how my brain works, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Right. And I'm like, "Yeah, you're not one of me." <laughs> but then you think about it, and you're like, "Man, everybody I know has this," and you're right. like, "Well, that's because all the people who you did know before who didn't have it, y'all didn't click, so they went away." And that's like because their brain people who don't have ADHD properly. trying to have conversations with people with ADHD, yes. they're like. But why you keep talking You're over so me? You're so disrespectful and you rude. You keep on just taking the conversation 85 other ways. I'm like, but I just want to tell you that I feel the same way about your story. But I yeah. just had 11 other stories yeah. to show you that we're the same. Yeah. And they're like, no. You and just I get it. I get, how, I get how aggravating and I annoying and how rude it is because all of my friends are at Ishii too. And so remember when we were out with Monica and we were at the bar and I was in the middle. <laughs> Lori's right here. Monica's right here. And we're all trying to talk and I'm trying to say something. And then this one comes in here and then this one. And I'm like, I mean, fuck it. I don't even need to be here. <laughs> so I get it. Well, but I also get that that's how our brains work. And so I don't take it personally. Yeah, I don't either. I'm like, it's okay. Like I'm, I, it, it's how my brain works too. So I'm like, I see your brain in my brain and I'm like, oh, her brain yeah. is just working Or I'll right be now. like, let me write this down so I don't forget <laughs> or put it in my notes. But so seven to eight percent, and I, I just can't fathom that that is an accurate number. That's great. Number, but we I don't can't, want I, it to be. But I can't fathom that it's accurate because when you think about the amount of our, you know, uh, people who've come back from any kind of tour in the armed forces, 
I, I just think that can't be. But well, whatever. That's, so wait, that was the, the number for CPTSD. No. That was PTSD? The National Institute of Mental Health. Approximately 7 to 8% of the U.S. population will experience PTSD at some point in their life. So only 7 to 8% will experience one huge traumatic event that will give them post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, okay, so then let's think about this. Let's put into fact that so PTSD, what is the actual definition of that? Oh, let me go back in my notes. Because if you have a secure there, way of... So, so post-traumatic stress disorder has a difficulty is a psychological recovering thing. after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. Mm-hmm. So what I think that number is so small is there are people who don't necessarily get treatment or who aren't or maybe treatment resistant. I know that that's probably not the proper way to say it, but yeah, treatment um, averse, averse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you have a secure, loving family who is able to help you work through your, th- like right. let's say you get into a car accident, right? If you have a good support system. We got system. into a car accident when we were younger. Like it was fucked up. The van twisted and turned. I was scared. I might have peed my pants. I don't know. But that could be a traumatic event yeah. to a young child. Yes. And, if we didn't talk about it or work through my fear, I could then develop a fear to ever get into a car again. Mm-hmm. So th- I think that it may develop if you don't have the practices in place to help work through. Maybe. I don't know, because I can think of another horrific car accident with a, a mutual friend of ours who immediately after and her, her daughter perished in the accident. Um, was was murdered in essence by a drunk driver. Uh, she immediately had PT, PTSD. Yes, and yes. it was it was on on site. You know, um, so I don't I don't know that it's something that like would so you're saying it's an immediate. Support. I'm saying maybe condition. For, maybe for some people it presents one way, and for some people it 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 presents another. But yeah. I do think that typically the PTSD is after after the shock wears off of what you've experienced. I think immediately after you're done with shock, you are in, oh my God, how, you know, how do I live like this? I remember after Travis died, I didn't want to, when I was pregnant with Gracie, I would not bring the baby home from the hospital unless I had one of those SID sleep monitors because she she was going to die in her sleep. Yeah. And the hospital people were like, your baby is healthy. Like, that's not going to happen. And I was like, I'm not leaving with her until I have one of these monitors because I'm afraid that everybody's going to die in their sleep. I used to go wake people up while they were sleeping because I thought they were going to die and they're perfectly healthy people. But that was, it was rational in my mind. So I don't know. I, I think, I think it's a different onset. Um, so some of the emotional and behavioral consequences we've been talking about PTSD and CPTSD, uh, they cause increased intense anxiety, depression, anger, irritability. They can influence your behavior, you obviously have self-destructive tendency, risk-taking, substance abuse, and difficulties in managing healthy relationships. Because, I mean, dude, if this is how you are outward-facing to your friends and family and whatnot, it's very difficult to maintain healthy relationships because you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself right now. It is, like, in need of major support therapy. So we can talk about uh, treatment. So obviously you want to seek professional help and I'll put a disclaimer up that me and Katie are not doctors and we are not. Yeah, no, uh, we we're can't give, looking the stuff up right now. We can't we give don't. medical <laughs> advice. We research it and or we live it and yeah. we talk about it. 
So, um, obviously, you, there's all kind of different therapies for people who have PTSD or CPTSD, um, and they're evidence-based treatment plans. So these are things that have worked and are consistent and um, can give you a positive outcome for sure. They over enhance your overall quality of life. But where we come in, what we want to talk about is the holistic way to heal yourself from here. So let's go to hypervigilance and talk a little bit more about hypervigilance as a symptom before we talk about how we heal from it. Because the healing is, is multifaceted and leveled. But we wanted you to be aware of what hypervigilance is and how that plays into this PTSD or CPTSD and how that looks in your day-to-day life. Okay. So individuals experiencing hypervigilance tend to be constantly scanning their surroundings for potential signs of danger, even in situations where there is no objective threat. They may have a heightened startle response and may react strongly to stimuli that others might perceive as harmless. This state of hyperarousal can lead to difficulty with concentrating, sleep disturbances, irritability, and feelings of exhaustion. Hypervigilance often arises as a result of a traumatic event or perceived threat to one's physical or emotional well-being. It is considered a defense mechanism that evolved to enhance survival in dangerous situations. However, in cases where the threat is no longer present or disproportionate to the actual level of danger, hypervigilance can be disruptive and interfere with daily function. Um, Some of the treatments that we were looking up for hypervigilance Um, typically involve addressing the underlying anxiety disorder or trauma through a combination of therapy and in some cases medication Um, the somatic movements Mm -hmm. which I didn't know that I was doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, you know like when I tell y'all put on your headphones and just dance and Mm -hmm. just let your body move shake it out that's what it was (laughs) and I didn't Mm -hmm. I'm like wait I do oh that's for that oh okay Mm -hmm. cool and it was something especially because I feel like when you're in hypervigilance you also are a little dissociated from your actual body right because you're so paying attention to everything that's around you that you're not in touch with your body and so you don't even notice that you have this crink in your neck or this thing or uh, that, that you haven't moved unclench your jaw yeah, drop your shoulder jaw drop your sh- i used to like yeah i was a, sh- a breath holder when i was stressed i would clinch up and tighten and it wasn't until I started doing the breathing, which is also another one of the um, healing techniques for hypervigilance, mm-hmm. is to just do the breathing. Relax your shoulders. There's times where I have to catch myself because this shoulder goes up when I'm stressed out. <laughs> just this one. I'm like, oh, you were up there, girl. What you doing? <laughs> um, and so when you're dissociated from your body because you're so worried about what's out there. Everything right? else like, around let's you. Let's say you're, that you're a hunter and you're out hunting. You, you ain't worried about if you're cold or if you're, you know, whatever is happening. You're checking for you're predators. You're listening. Is it predators? You're using all of... No. Yeah. I mean, you're the predator if you're hunting. You're the... Okay, so... Yeah. But... But, I mean, there could be, like, a, a, a bear, I guess. <laughs> right. A bigger a bigger hunter, <laughs> sure. A right. different a predator that's coming up behind Maybe us so, and yeah. we can't shoot them properly. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> So what that does, the somatic movements, it gets you back into your body and feeling your body. And then as we know, and as we've talked about, trauma is stored in your body in all kinds of different ways. And then when you move it, you're releasing the energy of all of that. And 
I did this shit on accident. <laughs> but ever since I've done it, into it, it was great. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think I feel like that's why I'm learning about it. I'm like, oh, I was doing that and I was doing it. Oh, and this helps with this. And and then it just helps me fully understand the the totality of yeah. it. And then the, or the what's happening to you as a physical person and how, how to release. Yeah. And then you learn more about it because you're like, what's happening? Yeah. I need to yeah. delve deeper into this. Why am I shaking my body in my living room? Yeah, I mean, and I then mean, people hey. will look at you crazy too. Because, yeah, it, it's not... There was another one that I almost sent you today where it said that. It said what? that it was about somatic healing and the girl was like, um, I forget the song that was played in the background, but it says, when culture tells you you shouldn't shake your body when you're stressed out. And she was like, what like no right. i do that all the time yeah shake like, the sillies of, out th- there's a song that i'm about little does. kids too like yeah stomping when yes they're we talked about that yes my so daughter like, stomped up the stairs and an old school grandpa was like you better go do something about that and i'm like did she hurt you because we used to get punished oh yeah if we stomped up my grandma's stairs we would have to walk up and down the stairs the right way five times oh, the proper gosh. way and then we would get a, a gum <laughs> so certain kind of gum that has like this juicy shit in the middle. I loved it. I can't say what but, we call that. <laughs> can't say but it. at the end of the day, that's her expressing her anger and frustration yeah. out of her body. And it's safe. That's literally not hurting anyone. Right. But you're uncomfortable. Right. And you're mad because it's deemed disrespectful and a negative. Right. At the end of the day, who who is it hurting? No. And guess what? sometimes i'm mad and you know is it better to lash out with words towards the person you're mad at or just stomp a little bit i would or like do you know when you do those take a ride go drive around listen to music really yeah i change my mood just like that with music yeah i mean music definitely is for sure yeah it's medicine but there's there's the physicality of just like there were certain emotions that i didn't necessarily be able to I like crying. When you're mad? Yeah. And that makes you feel better? Yeah. I That's mean, my release. Yeah. Yeah. Cry. Sing really loud. Yes. Like steering yeah. wheel singing. Hartley will look at me and be like, what are you doing? I'm yeah. like, bro, I don't care how you feel about it. No. It makes me feel good That's in my right. body. It gets you, it out. You want me to have this. Yeah. Or else you're going to get the other yeah. me and you don't want her to and, show and up. And you know what's funny? She dances in her room too. Mm-hmm. And she's not comfortable doing it in front mm-hmm. of everyone. But there is something to be said that she's enjoying releasing whatever yeah. it is. Because it's not like, you know, yes, one two-step type stuff. So it's I watched this documentary about there's a um, professor at Columbia, right? So I would, I would venture to say Columbia is a pretty, pretty good school. It's for very bright people to attend there. And this guy uh, teaches somatic healing. That's his job to go and teach psychology majors That's or, pre- profe- you know, like potential doctors, psychologists, not just people with like, you know, uh, an associates or a master's, but like people who are going to go out and work with patients who have these exact issues. And he teaches them how to how to teach their patients how to shake their feelings out, how to move in a way that is beneficial to your actual nervous system yeah. how to drain that these experiences and this energy from your physical body because it does you, you it is stored in your body trauma is stored in your body it's not just in your mind it's not just something that you replay it's stored in your physical body think about what you just said when you get 
stressed out or tensed up or when you're hypervigilant, your body yeah. has a physical reaction to it. Think about when you hear a gunshot or fireworks. Our bodies physically tense up. So right. if that's so there there's absolutely an imprint and a marker yes. all throughout your physical body. Someone's someone's literal presence can cause oh, that. Oh yes. Yes, your abuser for sure. You see them, you hear their voice, you smell their cologne. Oh yeah. I I, I identify with what that. What movie was it that the little girl got kidnapped or something? She was blindfolded the whole time, but she could hear the guy's voice. It was one where he like delivered groceries or something. And the girl heard, the little girl heard his voice and peed. Like her body just automatically did that because that was, we can't do, we can't hold on to any other holdings. We have to just survive. Right. And that's why that's gone because that's the last thing that we have to worry about is holding our peace. So we just release that. Yeah. And that, like, that is, yeah, that is, yeah, shit. Yes. Yes. So this movement of your body to release this is definitely 100% scientific. It works. Now, obviously, I don't think it's the only thing you should do. Like, no, you shouldn't just definitely dance everything with- out. But if you are in a, um, you know, a web of support in the healing, you know, you have the support of your family, friends, um, that system. Definitely want to have a medical professional on the case because you, you're probably going to need some some kind of dose of something to help you get over the hump until you're ready to, to, to like wane off of that and then start using all yeah, of your... Yeah, I think your... it needs to be coupled with a whole lot of things. Yeah, a lot. But you know what we were talking about, like PTSD and why people don't... I just saw this. It's important to note that not all children who experience trauma or stress will develop hypervigilance. Factors such as individual resilience, supportive relationships... Access to appropriate interventions can play a role in mitigating the impact of adverse experiences and reducing the likelihood of hypervigilance or other anxiety-related symptoms. And that's kind of like what I was saying is I think that there's a way that we can work through some of these traumas if you have the support and the environment. So if you're in a secure family, there is, you know, emotional support. Yeah. There is emotional awareness. And then they have health insurance where yes. they can go and take you go- to the doctor and get yes. you in with the right professionals. Yes. That is what I was alluding to with the crime in the city. That those yes. those children do not have that yeah. sort of system. Yeah. And of- I don't I don't necessarily think that we had that no. opportunity. No, no. And, and then I mean part of it has to do with our age too, right? Mm-hmm. Like back then all of these things weren't as well known. And I mean, even now with all of the information, there's a lot of people who don't know what this is either. Yeah. And that's that's especially like- if they've never dealt with it. Right. That's like the book that I read that I keep telling I'm ready to read. It's called Generational Inheritance by Dr. Gate Atlas. Um, she is a psychologist and she is a she does therapy with her patients. And um, she talks about that. The fact that you inherit certain things from your from obviously all generations before generational inheritance. And then sometimes like sometimes it's not even your trauma that you inherit. Yeah, it could be your grandparents. So I had to explain this to someone recently because apparently men do not understand how women's bodies work, even till today. So I'll explain it a little bit here. So women 
when girl babies are born, we are born with all of the eggs that we will ever have. Now, men make sperm constantly. Is it emotional inheritance? Yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I'm going to put my it bad gate notes. atlas. I love you. Um, so women are born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have. And men constantly make sperm. So yeah, the, so much that once you have a snip snip, you have to have 20 encounters before you are safe to say no baby. I wonder how you know that fact. <laughs> so <laughs> Not because of what you're thinking, but someone recently told me <laughs> that they were getting that and that was the, yes. the rule the doctor said. <laughs> I can't with my friends sometimes, y'all. No, so I mean, what I'm getting at, so I don't have to say it all over again, interrupter, <laughs> is that when, so when I was born, when I was born, Sorry. all the eggs that I was ever going to have were already in my body. Yes. When my mother was born, she was born with all the eggs that were ever going to be born in her body. So my mom had me as an egg in her body already when she was born. I just told Hartley this the other right. day. So then my grand. You're welcome, Jake. My grandmother, when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, my mother, when my grandmother was born, excuse me, when my grandmother was born, my mother was already inside of my grandmother. So whatever my grandmother experienced in her lifetime, my mom did too. Yeah. Because she was an egg inside of my mom's, my grandmother's body. So whatever my mother experienced, I experienced too, because I was already inside of her body. Whatever I experienced, my children already experienced with me because they were inside of my body. And then what sucks the worst is that I had two really emotionally tragic pregnancies. Physically, they were perfectly fine. But the emotional toll that was present for both of my pregnancies. Yeah, I feel the same way. Was infused into my, without a doubt, infused into my children. So they they already started out off the jump behind the eight ball. Yeah. So I feel like, and that is probably very similar for you and I. Yeah. So that we already started out kind of already exposed, you know, like we already don't have a full armor and we're on edge. We're probably born hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I think that might be another, Hartley, your. Don't, she don't even watch us. She, even have she doesn't watch us. Mm-mm. Well. I'm going to call her. It's hard to. I'm going to call her and tell her. I'm going to tell her. You ate I just candy. ate one of Hartley's candies. It was. She asked me for um, souvenirs. So I always keep little snacks in my desk. And it's reduced sugar, it's, so yeah. you can't eat too many of these. <laughs> so just that's a little tip for you guys. In case you didn't know that, that's how women come into this world with all of the eggs that we'll ever have. So our our eggs already how experience are us. Um Men don't have eggs. They have sperm and they make no, them like every day. I understand that. Yeah. You didn't let me finish my oh, question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> how do men, how is their generational inheritance? So all, all eggs are female until they are given the chromosome by the sperm. So the men are not carrying around. No. Oh, that's why their life is yeah. so easy. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I know. No, it's but <laughs> but it's it's definitely not the same. So all of the eggs are female eggs until they are altered by the sperm. That is the decision maker. 
So that's a whole different. Episode. It is. It is. But that's. I think that has a lot Who the to hell do. Made that decision. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably not a woman. All right. So that's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> different podcast. I feel like it is. But we we could totally go there if we need to. Um. So here we go. Do you feel like you're constantly on edge? Are you constantly on a lookout for potential threats? Are you scanning the room looking for possible things that could pop off? I dated this guy and he always had to sit facing the door of the restaurant because he needed to look at the door of the restaurant to see like who's coming in and then analyze anything that that was perceived as a potential threat. Are we sure that's not because he was married and he was hoping he didn't see his wife? The guy that I dated? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. No, (laughs) girl. Actually, it ended up being my husband. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is that the one who was a police officer? Yes. Well, that kind of makes sense. But still, because of being the police, right. the he police. He was put into hypervigilance. He had hypervigilance he to where it was, was like, I constantly have to be looking at the door. And there's other ones as well that I've experienced that have a similar um, philosophy or reaction or response. So hypervigilance involves being excessively aware of your surroundings, constantly scanning for signs of danger. It's kind of like having a built-in security system that's always on high alert. This heightened sense of vigilance can manifest as an increased heart rate, rapid breathing, and a constant state of tension so that you feel in fight or flight is how you function. And I have to imagine that after a while, that feels like the norm to you. Yes, it does. And then, like, once you kind of get to a place where you release it, like, you're, I would think you just kind of come like a noodle. Like, you just be a noodle. You kind of. I'm trying to hold it so up. Like, from that speaking the whole time. from experience, yeah. recent experience, um, it is you're constant hypervigilant. And then it's like one day you're just like, huh, someone knocked at the door and my body didn't say, didn't oh, react shit. like that. Um, and then, then you get into the, oh, okay it is safe everything is quiet there's not that's what i text you i'm now learning to get on to be uncomfortable in the peace and the chaos right because or lack of chaos right because you get used to living in this expecting this thing expecting and like there were times where i would go to my email and check it and i would go and i would check this thing and i would check this to see if there was any change in the thing because right. I, I needed to be one step ahead so that I could be prepared. And now I'm just like, there's nothing to check. There's nothing to check. No. And Even if, if there is something to check, it's going to happen. We'll just deal with it when it we'll comes. We'll deal with it when it comes. Right. And so this is a very strange place of peace and calm and quiet for me. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, this is weird. Right. Like okay. That, that, I guess I'll water paint then. <laughs> That's been my thing. Yeah. Like, when I'm un- uncomfortable in the peace, I'm like, okay, let me just paint and I'll relax and I'm moving, I'm doing something, right. but it's not uh, uh, a super heightened, mm-hmm. I got to do this, I got to, and you know, I think that a lot of the ADHD, which could be coupled with the CPTSD from mm-hmm. childhood, but I used to be so on guard and hypervigilant with not forgetting things with showing up on time with making sure this thing looked perfect making sure this and it was always something to do and make sure you showed up for and now I I don't care like it's not that I don't care 
I care that I forgot to send the kid with her clean sleep mat. I care. But I'm not like, God, you're such a freaking idiot. I can't believe that you forgot that. I'm like, eh, okay, well, I'm going to go bring it to them now. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. And, you know, Amari said, we're the forget family. And I'm like, you know what? That's cool. Right. I'm okay with being the forget family as long as we're not the screamy, yelly, we have to be perfect right. all the time, family. And okay, we forget stuff. It's it's part of life. Yeah. Okay, cool. Move it along. Keep it going. I'm so sorry. We'll do it better the next time. <laughs> you I know? think. Perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. We'll try. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> right? And so coming out of hypervigilance is a job in itself, too, because mm-hmm. then you have to figure out how to get comfortable in safety yeah if you've never been there before and that's a really weird uncomfortable place to be if you've never been there no and I think I think I have the hypervigilance thing but mine is so turned down to where it's like a comfort for me it's a comfortable so, it's a comfortable well, while level I was doing is. this research mm-hmm. I asked the question can hypervigilant become hypervigilance become dormant right and it says that it's typically known to become, it's not typically known to c- become dormant on its own. It is a persistent state of heightened alertness. However, the intensity of hypervigilance s- symptoms can vary over time and may be influenced by various factors, including individuals' overall stress levels and the presence or absence of triggering events or situations. Yeah. And I think that I agree. So I, I think that we were in a hypervigilant state yeah. that became norm. And it was just kind of calm, like, I'm not ready to run and, like, we're going to go to war, but I am on guard. Yeah. And I, I'm going to see that thing. And then these new triggering events come in, and then it just lights that shit on fire. Yeah. Like, you Turn were just chilling with some gas on, and then here comes a, a trigger <laughs> with, with a, a match. Right. And there, you're like, whoa, it was just that match, but there was already a such fire. Such, you, yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's part of an ongoing, continual, self-aware check, check yourself. Yeah, it's a journey. And continuing to put yourself around people and events and situations that won't trigger those kinds of things. Yeah, you need to be soft with yourself yes. while yes. you're taking care of yourself that way. Yeah, and I mean, we can't, we can't put a bubble around ourselves. Put a bubble around right. ourselves and make sure nothing right. ever happens. Something's going to happen. When you put yourself in a state, like I tell myself so often, I am protected. Yeah. I am divinely protected. Those things that are happening out there aren't going to happen to me. I'm here for a whole different life that's not part of mine. Right. And we're, we're good. We are good. Yeah. We are protected. And that's part of the ways that we've looked up for healing it was challenge distorted thoughts. It often involves distorted thinking patterns where perceived threats are exaggerated or distorted. Practice identifying and challenging these thoughts by examining evidence for and against them. Consider alternative, more balanced perspectives, like facts. Right. I do a lot of fact. What is the fact about this? Yeah. Not the feeling or the what if or this could happen, because there's a lot of those. You have cognitive biases that play into the things that you think, so if you have to go find a fact... And then calm yourself and yeah. be like, okay, yeah. what are the odds of this happening, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. it's, it's 8%. <laughs> yeah, I try not to Google that. Right, so. <laughs> but like, you know, yeah, I think, I th- yeah, if you eliminate the, the biases or anything that you have, 
Especially because it's much easier, it's much louder to hear the negative voice than it is to hear the positive yeah. voice inside your head. So if you are constantly are listening to him, her, whatever it is, <clears throat> putting facts in front of you can kind of dim the I light on that. I was talking to someone that we went to high school with, and I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but um, I said, I was watching a, a TikTok, of course, and it said that negative voice that's in your head, the next time it talks to you, Imagine the person that you don't like at all, that you don't respect, you don't listen to their perspective. Like you wouldn't take advice from this person. Right. And now name that person. That's the person who's telling you all these bad things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you going to believe that? Right. Hell no. no. I don't even mess with you. you like, take them out of your what? head. You get yeah. So you're like, here. Psh, you're out of here. You gotta go. Un- name unknown. <laughs> <laughs> but when I brought it, when I said it like that, she was like, oh my god and I was like that's exactly how I felt too right and it's such a freeing space to be to to name that and say I don't even like you name your monster name your monster mm-hmm. you know you don't like them you don't mess with them you don't right. listen to anything they have to say so don't listen to that get, get out of here mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you don't have any room I didn't I did not make room for you here yeah yeah no I love that I think that's great yeah Good I advice. got a name already yeah just one maybe it's not a name i want to say all the time though either like i don't no, wanna, no, no. I don't no, know no no you don't even have to say the like name beetlejuice like, no you're you not know? welcome here i said it once you just have to think about the how much you don't agree with that person the feeling of that, that person. feeling of that person the energy yeah of that, that person. energy is what you give to that I like you that. wouldn't give that person a response you wouldn't even acknowledge them so I like it psh, you're out of here i like it Okay, so, so did we're you know, at, what did you know that you have a actual chemical happening when you are being hypervigilant, and that's part Is of what cortisol. So, neurotransmitters, the chemical messengers of our brain. So those are the guys that like transport the actual chemicals. So they have a role to play. Trauma can disrupt the balance between neurotransmitters, norepinephrine. Remember the epinephrine <laughs> and dopamine they regulate our mood arousal and attention i feel like we're gonna have to tell them all right so <laughs> when we went to las vegas for our birthdays our first time our first time in las, las vegas, vegas um i have asthma it's triggered by cats and smoking cigarettes the lack of humidity in the air oh we gonna um, leave out the smoking cigarettes part huh Katie's trying to air somebody else's dirty lunch. Stay, 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 stay in your lane, Katie. Stay in your lane. I'm going to stay in my lane. You stay in your lane. Okay, ma'am. Thank you. It wasn't that we were smoking cigarettes so, in Las Vegas. It was very hot and there was no humidity. Either, no, it was, right? dry. it was dry. Like my so. nose was bleeding the second yeah. day they were there just because we there was no humidity. Kind of no. <laughs> so the morning of my actual birthday, I was like, bro, I need to go and get some... Uh, <laughs> Promethazine. Promethazine. It was not promethazine. That's what I kept calling it. Katie kept calling it promethazine. It's primatine mist, man. It's primatine mist. I don't even know what promethazine is. Promethazine is is like an anti-anxiety drug. Is it like what Lil Wayne drinks, though? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Promethazine? Yeah. I feel like I've heard it in a song. So Katie and I go, we walk to the CVS on the Vegas Strip, and I'm looking for this uh, primatine mist stuff because it's got epinephrine in it and it opens up your synthetic antihistamine drug derived from i can't say that word used to treat symptoms of allergies and motion sickness promethazine 
Oh, See, well. so I'm not too far off. It was Promethine Mist Pro. It was, but she was asking the pharmacist, like, "Where y'all got that Promethine oh, Mist?" Including when a cough or itch keeps you up at night. Okay, okay, yes. So I kept confusing it with <laughs> promethazine. She's like, "Stop saying that, people." Are gonna look at us. So it was Promethine Mist. <laughs> so every, I still call it. So that. every time I see like epinephrine, I mean, obviously, like norepinephrine, it's. Anyways. But it, it it made us because I think didn't I I take one was it a yeah, pill? Yeah, you took one. It was a pill. I was like, yeah, give me one of those. Yeah, and I want to breathe good like, too. Oh my god! But it it makes you feel like your heart's gonna like beat out of your chest. Yeah, and I think we were drinking um, what what's that energy drink? <laughs> Megan had it. It was not Red Bull because I don't. know. No, it's that. not Red Bull. It's it's. Oh, it was a spark. Yes. Spark. That was it. We were having spark, promethacine. I mean, not promethacine. Primatine Primatine mist. mist. Tablet. It was bad. We needed to recover a really long time. Yeah. It nev- was a fun trip, And we've though. never been back. Yeah, no. Not yet. We did that. The- Instant, instantly elbow. What'd you hit? Uh-huh. <laughs> Your neurotransmitters. I would scratch you. You have no more. Have a bruise there. Oh no! Well, we can't sue because we get to use this for free. <laughs> oh, we're you're silly. good. You're good. It's on camera. You're good. I'm not gonna sue. <laughs> All right. So your brain has a reaction when you're being hypervigilant. Elevated levels of norepinephrine associated with a stress response can contribute to hypervigilance by keeping the individual in a constant state of heightened alertness. On the other hand, dopamine, known for its role in motivation and reward processing, (laughs) Jake's dying laughing, (laughs) reward processing can also play a part as an imbalance in dopamine can lead to an increased sensitivity to potential rewards or threats further fueling hypervigilant behaviors. Bless you. Thank you. Excuse me. So when you have an understanding of how intricately those two things play around, so it's not like, so it's your physical body, it's your brain, it's the chemicals in your brain, it is your mind that you remember all of this. Like it is a a whole human experience to have trauma-related responses like CPTSD, PTSD, and then going down any of those symptoms that are exacerbated for you as a human. So in this case, it's hypervigilance. Right. Um, like where I would freak out because someone knocked on the door, someone else who has never gone through right. anything like that, or that wouldn't be a triggering thing right. to cause their body. Into- right. Like for me, it was like if somebody went to sleep. Yeah. And everybody goes to sleep. Yeah. And that was, I, I was afraid to go to sleep. I was afraid for anyone I know to go to sleep. They had put me to sleep. I was terrified. Like, I did not want to sleep. I didn't want anyone else to go to sleep. Because I was afraid if they go to sleep, they die. Which is totally irrational. But that was where, yeah, my, that's where, that's you were where my mind was. I mean, so. that's kind of how I was a little bit yeah. after I had my first kid. Um, because yeah. <laughs> this is a little bit funnier. But um, I was on that, what is it, Marina? Mm-hmm. And I still was like, Mm-mm, nope, no way, no way. For like two and a half years. That was a very <laughs> irrational, like, bro, you're on the thing. But I was like, no way. I'm not doing it. I can't get pregnant again. Yeah. I was scarred. I mean, not scarred. I love my kid. But yes, that was like a whoa. I mean, but that was an experience you were not yes, anticipating like, no, we're not having. And then again. suddenly you're like, oh, oh, 
oh, I'm having this experience. And I was like, we're not ever having this again, so. Yes. Right. Lesson learned. <laughs> Until a few lesson years learned. Later. Chalk it up to the lesson learned game. Yes. All right. So I'm tired let's of think about this. Can you be hypervigilant without having PTSD or having some sort of trauma? The answer is no. The answer is no. So um, it's it's a response to trauma and often associated with Who conditions. Said no? Uh, Who said it's no? The research said it's okay. no. <laughs> the research said it's no. So if you are if you have like hypervigilance as a problem, not saying that yeah no absolutely if you have yeah, hypervigilance, hypervigilance as a problem, is, it is vigilance ab- is normal. It is hypervigilance correct, is what correct. makes it. It is absolutely right. triggered by some sort of event. Um, normally around some sort of trauma. Um, are there effective treatment op- options for managing hypervigilance? Yes. Wait, are we going to talk about these now or are we going to hold this one for the next episode? Because we're at 57 minutes now. Well, then maybe we'll hold this one for the yes. next episode. Yes. We'll hold it. We'll you hold. guys have to come back next Thursday and we can talk about uh, treatments and ways to eliminate or reduce your hypervigilance. hypervigilance and healing it. Yeah, that's fair. We've talked a lot about PTSD and, and nobody cried today. Yay. You're welcome. <laughs> I know. I had someone come up to me the other day and they were like, dude, I was watching your podcast, but then I was like, I could see myself in it. And then I got really upset and I had to turn it off. She's yeah. Like, and she's telling me, I'm so sorry. I said, no, I'm not. I, I'm sorry that you were triggered by what we were saying. And I'm glad that you watched it. And I'm sorry that it, you know, brought you yeah. to an emotional place. And um, she was like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go and finish it. And I'm like, it's okay if you don't, you don't Do have it on to. Your there's own no time. expectation yeah. that I there's, have. There's plenty of things that I cannot watch yeah. because I know it will take me to a, a sad space. I'm yeah. Like, I'm not ready to be there. Well, you'll do that to me sometimes. Katie's real considerate about that, um, especially if it's things that she knows. I know well enough to know. She's yeah. like, hold on. She's like, hey, just want to send you this. This is in case really you, heavy family you, trauma shit. In case you <laughs> see something on the internet that talks about this or someone kind of get you into the conversation that's how i use it so if somebody says like oh hey have you seen the movie about this i'm like oh no you know that's actually something that i, I would not like to watch right now yeah. or i'm not prepared to watch it right now and if they don't know me well enough then i kind of give them a little bit of a clue then they're like oh yeah yeah like let's not talk about it right here right yeah well so, and some people are so like disconnected to emotions that yeah. they don't they're like what it's just a movie I, i'm like oh no I'm like, it's nah, kind of like super my life sensitive so i yeah. need to not do that it's like um like scary movies like i just yeah don't. i cannot dude I hartley made it. me watch this movie called up no up is good know. no it was not that it was oh. not that it was a, a a movie about these two chicks and they climb this big old like tower oh and then they get stuck there i have seen previews for that and yes. i never watched that and I don't like, she loves that. I'm like, bro, I've had five anxiety attacks watching this movie. Yeah, that's Why a are no. we watching this? That's a no for I'm me. I'm like, I actively try to get out of this state of being. I don't want to be here. She's yeah. like, it's great, mom. No, it's great. And I'm like, yeah, you haven't lived real life shit like this. That's why. So it's like a rush for you. You're like, ooh, ooh, this is so exciting. But she likes shit like that. And I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I can't be the one who goes to watch those movies. Yeah, I'm not in a you. place like that. I, w- yeah. I did go I'm too see. Sensitive. I think I went my saw nervous system is too Black sensitive. Phone with the kids, and I was like, was "All right, about? okay." It was Ethan Hawke is wearing some crazy mask, and he looks, kidnaps these kids off the street and brings them into like this basement, and some other ones, the spirits of the other kids that died before him, like call this phone this? and help him like get get the bad kill the bad guy and escape, and then he gets okay. caught. 
And that's why I liked it because I was like, okay, this is like them that's trying a to have a good ending. <laughs> yeah, right? Black but um, yeah, it was Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. Maybe I'll have to watch that one. Because I do. It's, it's and, not and, so bad. Like, like it I still like, sucks, but it's I not I like to so watch bad. stuff. And like, I, I've been having a hard time finding like what I want to watch. Like a non-triggering, scary yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily need it to be scary, but I also don't want it to be too sappy and crybaby and like yeah. sad. And then I'm like, oh. That's why I watch documentaries. Yeah, but that because, shit makes me sad too because I look at how our planet is going to shit and then I'm like, ah, I can't do anything to fix it all. I like the documentaries because I'd rather be someone that can bring some intelligent conversation than just be like, Oh, you know, I watch this movie or I watch all these movies. No, but see, all I know is movies. I'm like, oh, I've got to stop eating sushi because all the fish are going. (laughs) Or I'm like, no, we got to save the ocean or the ozone Uh, or the all the the freaking elephants. No, no, I I will fuck you up. I don't. I don't. Plants scream when they get cut. So you can't eat anything. Like, what are we going to do? We're just going to drink the fish's pee forever? Ew. It's water. (laughs) <laughs> all right i'd like to thank brightway for letting us use this equipment and yeah, we're at hosting minutes. us all the time um i'd like to thank anybody who tuned in today thank you jake i'm thank so y'all. glad you came and sat with us for a while namaste yeah sorry i didn't see any of um, your yeah guys have a great week uh we love you we'll see you thursday next thursday we'll talk about how to uh combat that uh hypervigilance and then we'll come up with some other topic to think about and in the meantime if you have a uh, really good movie that Katie should see that is not yes. scary but not too sappy wait did someone just laugh or send was that us. an old that was laugh? Jake that was okay, Jake so that's a new laugh yeah yeah send us send us some recommendations some good light hearted fun happy movies to watch cause I don't know what the hell I'll just be water painting and listening to <laughs> <laughs> listening to music Send and then Katie even that, I'm like, God, this, all these love songs. Get me out of here. <laughs> Send Katie movie recommendations. Yes. Okay, we love you. Toodles. Bye. Bye.